and palatial UltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. I am Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along this evening for a very special edition of the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas. And, of course, next week we're going to be taking the week off for the New Year's holiday. We'll be back on January 9th. But before that happens, tonight we are going to preview all of the major BCS bowl games on tonight's show. We're going to focus in on the Cotton, the Sugar, the Fiesta, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the BCS championship game, which features Florida State taking on Auburn. But first... We're going to initialize every bowl game tonight with that theme song music. And the first game that we are going to look at this evening is the bowl game that is losing prestige and fighting to keep it. That's the Cotton Bowl to be played on Friday, January 3rd. And this shouldn't come as much of a shock. Just about every year the Cotton Bowl serves as the best non-BCS matchup. And this year is no different. Both Oklahoma State and Missouri have to feel like they blew a shot at a program-defining season, and the Tigers might even feel a little frustrated by the BCS selection process. The Cowboys are 10-2 and on the season with a signature win over Baylor, while Missouri is 11-2 and and fell in the SEC championship game to Auburn. Gary Pinkle and company are a very talented team, but then so is Oklahoma State. Missouri has been the more explosive offense, particularly on the ground, but it isn't invulnerable to mistakes. James Franklin, who had gone the entire season without completing less than 60% of his passes, looked wild and shaky at points in the Tigers' loss to Auburn. Auburn picked him off just once, but that number could have been three or four had the defensive backs held on to the ball. The concept of dropped picks isn't new to the Cowboys, who can thank their lucky stars that they've thrown only 11 balls to the opposing team this season. Clint Shelf is a fun dual threat who got better as the season went along, but it's fair to assume Mike Gundy and Pinkle would be perfectly happy running the ball 40 times and getting out of each game with a win. Whether they'll be able to do that won't be decided until next Friday, but for those who enjoyed the up-and-down nature of the SEC championship game, this may be a decent facsimile. Until the SEC championship game loss to Auburn, Missouri hadn't lost a game all season with senior James Franklin under center. That game wasn't Franklin's fault either because he was unable to play defense and threw for 303 yards and three touchdowns while running for 62 yards more and another score. There is a bit of geographical advantage, though, for Oklahoma State, who will have the benefit of closer proximity in playing at the Dallas Cowboys NFL Stadium. Oklahoma State is coming off a crushing loss in Stillwater to Oklahoma, though, so it will be interesting to see how Mike Gundy's bunch responds to the adversity. The inconsistent accuracy of Cowboys quarterback Clint Schaub showed itself against the Sooners, and he won't have a much easier time when he goes up against the likes of Coney Ely, Mike Sam, and the terrifying Tigers' front seven. But Mizzou got lit up on the ground by Auburn and will be eager to prove itself on this grand stage and justify its status as being a top-10 team even after the massive turnaround catalyzed by Coach Gary Pinkle. Fox Sports college football analyst Petros Papadakis 
looks at this game and knows Missouri is expected to win by many. They just did what Gary Finkel wanted them to do, which was play efficient offense, and they really did improve on defense. They had stars. Michael Sam coming off the edge was an absolute star. By SEC defensive end standards, he was right there at the top, and they lost Jonathan Franklin for a little bit of a while, but that was okay because Matty Mock came in and proved that he's the future at quarterback for the Tigers, and Henry Josie was a leader, a stabilizing force coming back from a catastrophic leg injury two years ago. So Missouri had a great season that nobody saw coming but in retrospect we all should have seen it coming they had the senior quarterback they had the leadership they had the coach with the proven system and they had really good athletes that played well in the SEC you know it'll be interesting because Oklahoma State's one of those teams that kind of wins by hook or crook it might be the defense that performs well it might be Clint Shelf in the passing game even though he's a better runner than he is a thrower it might be Desmond Rowland running the ball it might be anything they just kind of find a way to win but that's sort of a rhythmic thing you don't really find that again sometimes when you play in a bowl game after a long time off and then you look at the situation with their opponent and how good they've been throughout the season Missouri and how complete they are as a football team and this is Franklin's last game I think Mizzou's got the edge here I don't think they'll win it going away but Oklahoma State just a little too unpredictable to pick even though I could see them winning the game these bowl games are tricky but I like Mizzou and what Pinkle's done this year Well, the reason that Oklahoma State is a tricky pick is because their defense. The Cowboys' 86th-ranked pass defense is a sign of their overall shaky secondary. I've always liked Mike Gundy, the head coach of Oklahoma State, and how he coaches the team. On the other hand, I was a big Gary Pinkle fan from his Toledo days and moving to Mizzou. Yet, the SEC title game really caused me to lose some respect for Pinkle and his way of coaching. How anyone could stand on the sideline for three and a half hours and see how the three-man front against the Tigers wasn't going to work or even later in the game wasn't working has to wonder what's going on inside Pinkle's head. Auburn ran for over 500 yards and Pinkle never changed the game plan. I agree. Mizzou has more talent than Oklahoma State, but better coached is now a question mark with me. My prediction in this football game, I've got to look at this thing overall and say that Missouri is still going to win it 28-24 over the Oklahoma State Sooners in the Cotton Bowl at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. night that we're going to preview will be the 2014 Fiesta Bowl, and that will feature the Baylor Bears and the Central Florida Knights. While it may not be the flashiest of the BCS Bowl games, it will still be a great chance for an epic upset. The Baylor Bears are 11-1 coming into this ballgame, and the Central Florida Knights are 11-1 also. Things were looking very bleak for Baylor's BCS chances after it fell to Oklahoma State 49-17 a few weeks ago. Not only that, but it also looked like the Bears might not even grab the Big 12 title. Then it all changed. The Cowboys lost to the Oklahoma Sooners, meaning the Bears needed a win over the Texas Longhorns in order to become conference champions. Baylor won the game, locking up the berth for the Fiesta Bowl. 
Baylor's success this season has been due to its high-powered offense, which is the most efficient in the country. The Bears put up an average of 625 total yards and 53 points per game, leading the nation in both categories. Bryce Petty has been a big reason for the team's success on offense. This season, he's thrown for over 3,800 yards, 30 touchdowns, and just two interceptions, adding another 11 scores on the ground. Meanwhile, running back Lachey Seastrunk has added another 1,060 yards and 11 touchdowns of his own. That offense will be the key to the team's success. The Bears have struggled to get going early in games recently, and they'll need to make sure they to get off to a hot start to avoid the upset by Central Florida. Well, like the Bears, the Knights have gone 11-1. and While their competition hasn't been as tough, the Knights have taken down teams such as Louisville and Houston while losing to South Carolina by just three points. They have won four of their last five by five points or less. There have been a couple of close calls over the past two games, however. The Knights were incredibly close to losing to the 2-10 and South Florida Bulls and the 5-7 and SMU Mustangs over the past last two weeks of the regular season, but they were able to squeak out those two wins by just a combined seven points. Blake Bortles is the key to the offense for Central Florida. This season, he's thrown for 3,200 yards, 22 TDs, and seven interceptions, adding another five scores on the ground. NFL scouts are beginning to take notice of him, and while he most likely will not be a first-round selection, he could be taken relatively early if he decided to go pro and has a good game here in the Fiesta Bowl. The Knights also rely on a stingy defense that averages just 19 points per game. That defense is going to need to be on top of its game against Baylor as the Bears will try to run all over them. This could be an offensive ball game. CBS college football analysts Dennis Dodd and Bruce Feldman think Baylor is just too much to handle. The only time they've been stopped really is in that Oklahoma State game. Part of that was Oklahoma State. Part of that was an unusually cold night that night in Stillwater and some unfortunate circumstances. They fumbled down on the goal line early. Maybe if they score that ball, it turns out to be a different result. But other than that, uh, they've been great offensively. And even in, even in the Texas game where they clinched the Big 12 title, uh, it was even at halftime and then they took it home in the second half in weather. I think this team's going to function in the desert, obviously warm, indoors. I think they're going to have a big old time there in, uh, at the Fiesta. I think they can be slowed down. I don't think UCF can do it, though. I, I just think there's just too many weapons coming at them. Blake Bortles is a really excellent quarterback. I think he's going to have a really good NFL career. I think they can do some damage on Baylor's defense, but I'm still going with UCF. Uh, still going with Baylor, like Dennis said. I think UCF maybe gets 24 points, but I think they may give up 48 in the process. I think they're, I think they're a, a team that if they were probably in – the Pac-12, I think they'd be probably the fourth or fifth best team. I think if they were in the SEC, they'd probably be the sixth best team. You know, Louisville basically had Teddy Bridgewater and some good receivers, and I thought they, they outplayed them that night. But the rest of that league is not very good. I mean, who's the third best team? Maybe Houston with a true freshman quarterback. I, I think it's a function of they're a good team in a, in a pretty mediocre conference. I'm looking at our notes here, and I, I agree with Bruce. I think they're American good. You know, they're good for the American conference, and not to disparage George O'Leary, because I think he's done a great job there over a period of years. But when you struggle to beat Temple, South Florida, and SMU, then, you know, you're, you're in big trouble. And they're, they're not on a class 
with Baylor, and I think Baylor is supremely motivated in this game to finish out on the right. I, I think Baylor big, uh, maybe 20 points, because I don't think they'll take their foot off the accelerator until late. I think they want to get you know, everything out of their system and, and get ready for next year. I think they're going to be very good next year. That's what I'm going with. Okay. I also think Baylor's looking at it doing what the Dennis just said. I think they are looking to make a statement to say, hey, voters, we blew these guys out in a, in a BCS Bowl. You shouldn't put us down 14th or 16th. You should put us no lower than 7th because we're going to have Bryce Petty back. You know we got athletes now. Uh, assuming Art Browse doesn't get the text. <laughs> well, my prediction the Bears are too talented offensively, and while the numbers have been good on defense for the Knights, those numbers came against a significantly lower level of competition. I expect the Bears to have a huge game and end this season on a high note. I think Baylor wins this ball game. The Bears 42, Central Florida 25 in the Fiesta Bowl in Phoenix, Arizona. brings us to our third game of the night where Oklahoma will take on Alabama on January 2nd in the Sugar Bowl. Do the Sooners have what it takes to knock off the immensely talented Crimson Tide? Well, for the most part of this season, Alabama was ranked number one, but a late loss to Auburn put an end to the Tide's run for its third straight BCS National Championship. Oklahoma was in the mix early, but then fell off the pace. Oklahoma is 10 and 2 while Alabama is 11 and 1 entering this game. But could Alabama be reeling after losing to Auburn in their final regular season game the way they did? Because Auburn saw its chances to play for a third straight championship dashed on the final play of the regular season. So the obvious question is whether the third ranked Crimson Tide will suffer a major letdown. The miraculous 109-yard kickoff return by bitter rival Auburn as time expired in the regular season finale, derailed Alabama's three-peat hopes, and now the team must regroup for the matchup with the twice-beaten Sooners. It will be the five-year anniversary of the Crimson Tide's last visit to the Sugar Bowl when they were waxed by Utah after their perfect season ended against Florida in the SEC championship game. Oklahoma is the decided underdog after losing to Texas and getting mauled by Baylor, but it finished out its regular season on a high note, registering a last-minute victory at arch-rival Oklahoma State. One of the few programs in the country that can rival Alabama's storied history, the Sooners will be making their 15th consecutive bowl appearance under Bob Stoops. Oklahoma had a three-game bowl winning streak snapped last season with a lopsided defeat against Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M, a former Big 12 rival that now plays with Alabama in the SEC which has produced the past seven BCS national championships. Despite the string of success under Stoops that includes a dozen 10-win seasons since 2000, Alabama's Nick Saban is widely regarded as the best coach in college football with four national championships under his belt. Fox Sports analyst Petros Papadakis says that's why Alabama will win this well, game. Well, he has a better BCS bowl game record than Bob Stoops and the Stoops brothers, doesn't he? I mean... That's pretty clear. Everybody's going to pick Alabama in this game, and I will be no different. Nick Saban has the process. A.J. McCarron is going to ride a horse, a victory lap all around New Orleans. Everybody's going to be happy if you're a Bama fan. Those Bama fans 
are going to descend upon New Orleans like they did when they played LSU for the national title. It is going to be a scene in the Big Easy. And there's going to be a lot of Oklahoma fans at this game, too. That's actually why they got the BCS game. Those people travel. There's hitching posts all over New Orleans right now for those people to ride their covered wagons into Louisiana. So it's going to be a scene in, in, in the Big Easy, but I don't think it's going to be much of a game. Oklahoma ended up having a great year, mostly because they won Bedlam at the end of the year and knocked Oklahoma State off their stoop in the Big 12 at the top. You have to give Bob Stoops a lot of credit. He has been very consistently good, if not great, as the head coach of the Sooners. But this year, they did not have an identity at the quarterback position. They suffered from a lot of injuries, and they're just not going to have enough to beat this powerful Alabama team that could very well be playing for the title themselves. Well, Stoops must still decide on a starting quarterback versus Alabama, the options being senior Blake Bell and redshirt freshman Trevor Knight. The Tebow-esque Bell, nicknamed the Belldozer for his 6'6", 260-pound frame, started eight games and was superb in rallying the Sooners past Oklahoma State when Knight went down with the shoulder injury. Knight, however, is a dual threat and... It's worth noting that Alabama's defense surrendered its two highest point totals against similar-styled quarterbacks for Texas A&M and Auburn. The Crimson Tide have no such question marks under center with senior A.J. McCarron, the Maxwell Award winner and runner-up in the Heisman Trophy balloting. McCarron threw for 26 touchdowns. Alabama features a stellar defense that ranked number two nationally, allowing 11.7 points per game and holding 9 of 12 opponents to 10 points or fewer. Michael Felder, Barrett Sally, and Adam Kramer break down this Sugar Bowl matchup from BleacherReport.com. This is an absolute mismatch. Oklahoma, Alabama, the Crimson Tide is absolutely going to roll the Sooners. Yeah, talent-wise, there's a huge difference in these teams, but I think motivation here is something that you can question. Only because Alabama has been playing for national championships, you don't want to say this game is meaningless, because it's not. It's a BCS bowl game. They can make a statement. But it would not shock me at all to see them come out a little bit sluggish. See, I think that is a concern, obviously, with what happened in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago with Utah. But that was Saban's second team. I think this Alabama team has sort of been saving us. You know, they are so process-oriented. Everything is about fighting against perfection. And a guy like A.J. McCarron in his last game, he's going to want to go out there and play against perfection and try to beat perfection. So I think in years past, sure, I think the situation could sort of lend itself to that discussion. But this particular team, I think they've taken on the persona of their head coach. I don't think it's going to happen. When I look at this, I look at how can Oklahoma win. I think it comes down to Trevor Knight, if healthy. He, he's got a lot of the tools that Alabama struggled against. He's got the ability to move the ball in the ground got the ability to throw on the run, and that's something that the Crimson Tide has struggled with. He's got weapons on the edge, and I think he's got guys out there. The problem is, I don't think Oklahoma's good enough as a football team to beat Alabama. I expect Alabama to go in to take care of business, like you said. They've been stabilized. They don't step out on a football field unless they plan on winning, and I think when we see the Sugar Bowl be played, they step out there expecting to win. Knight is that kryptonite for an athletic guy that can keep plays a lot. He's been compared to Manziel, which is a little premature. <laughs> a little, little much. But you watch him and you say, okay, I see what they're getting at. But I think you guys hit on a good point. Talent-wise and, and size and speed, Alabama wide receivers I don't think get enough credit. Oklahoma secondary has all sorts of issues. And I think in the end, you know, talent probably does prevail. No matter who plays quarterback for Oklahoma, Blake Bell, Trevor Knight, whatever, in this situation, Oklahoma's just walking into a hornet's nest. I think this game is the easiest one to predict. My prediction, Alabama 31, Oklahoma 14. Oklahoma doesn't belong on the same field as the Crimson Tide. This should have been 
Ohio State. Alabama 31, Oklahoma 14 on January 2nd in the Sugar Bowl at New Orleans. gone through half the bowl games that are going to happen over the next week, the major BCS bowl games on tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks for joining us this evening. So far, we have previewed the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. And it's time now for us to turn our attention to the Rose Bowl because just a week from today, next Thursday, January 1st, is the 100th meeting of the Rose Bowl. And this time it's between Michigan State, the champs of the Big Ten, and the Stanford Cardinal, the champs of the Pac-12. Michigan State is making its first trip to Pasadena since the 1987 season, and this is a culmination of sorts for Mark D'Antonio in his seven seasons in East Lansing, finally getting the Spartans to the Big Ten's holy grail after some close calls during the past seven years. Stanford is making its fourth trip to a BCS game in a row, and its second journey in succession to the Rose Bowl. This has become the premier Pac-12 program under David Shaw. Michigan State enters the game at 12-1. and Stanford is 11-2. and And when these teams look at each other, it has to be like looking in a mirror. Each team loves to play physical, black and blue football from a bygone era. Fullbacks are in, spread offenses are out, Michigan State and Stanford are all about running between the tackles and tough defenses that attack. So pack your big boy pants, fellas. This one is not going to be for the faint of heart, and that just thrills Penn State coach Bill O'Brien as he previews what he expects to be a throwback game. This is old school football all the way. It's football that I personally really appreciate. I think these are two very, very well coached football teams. I think when you look at a coach D'Antonio coach team, you're, you're going to have to be able to stop the running attack on offense. Michigan State is going to run the football, and then they have a very good play action game off of their running game. And then obviously Michigan State has what I consider probably right now the best defense in the country. Uh, they've done an excellent job. They showed that in the Big Ten championship game, and that's a big challenge for Stanford to be able to move the ball against that top-rated defense that stops the run just as well as they stop the pass. Just like O'Brien, most feel this is going to be a defensive battle. The Spartans' defense might be the best in the country, but the Cardinal defense is not too far behind. So, will Michigan State and Stanford be a defensive grudge match, or will it surprise everyone? Bruce Feldman and Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports examine the defenses of both ball clubs. I think Michigan State. I think Michigan State is physically intimidating. I think we've seen that all year um, in the in the Big Ten and, and in non-conference games as well. They have the, the maybe the country's best cornerback and Daquez Denard. The linebackers are great. Uh, Max Bullock, a third third generation Spartan, uh, his dad and his, his grandfather I think played there. Uh, they are going to beat up. They're going to do what Stanford usually does to other teams. I kind of agree with Dennis. I'm not convinced that they're that much better than Stanford because I think Stanford may be better up front. I don't know. Shalit Calhoun's a 
is a playmaking defensive end for Michigan State. Where I do think Michigan State is better is in the secondary because of Darquez Denard. I also think they are so well-versed in what they do scheme-wise. I would give them the edge. Uh, to me, I don't think there's going to be – I would, I would set the over-under at, at nine points. Well, you heard Dodd mention – Senior linebacker Max Bullock of Michigan State. Well, he's out, done, not going to play in the ball game. He violated team rules, and Coach Mark D'Antonio suspended him, making him ineligible, ineligible to play in the Rose Bowl. Now, in a news release sent early this morning, Spartans coach Mark D'Antonio said Bullock had been suspended for the rest of the season, and he did not say what rules the two-time team captain violated. Bullock had 76 tackles and nine and a half tackles for loss this season, earning him third-team All-American honors and first-team All-Big Ten honors. He has 299 career tackles and has made 40 consecutive starts. This is definitely going to hurt the Michigan State defense because he was the heart and soul of this defense for the Spartans. So what do we watch out for? That Michigan State defensive line against the Stanford offensive line is going to be the place to watch in this game. It's going to be power on power, and as these teams will battle for every inch of Rose Bowl real estate throughout this entire game. The Cardinal average 211 yards rushing. The Spartans allow 81 yards rushing. Stanford has monster blockers in David Yankee, Cameron Fleming, Andres Pete, and Khalil Wilkes. Michigan State has monster D linemen in Shalik Calhoun, Tyler Hoover, Marcus Rush, and Micaiah Reynolds. That's so you know something's going to have to give in this game right in the trenches. So who can impose their will on the other in this trench warfare? Again, we go to Bruce Feldman and Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports to answer the question: Can the Cardinal? run the ball against the Michigan State defense. Kevin Hogan's a good athlete. He is not quite the running threat that Braxton Miller is. And I think for that reason, I think that that puts more pressure on a defense. I think that's why Carlos Hyde benefits. You know, to me, what you get with Kevin Hogan is a guy who can take off out of the pocket and make some plays, but not the same level of them. So I think that's the difference. Also, keep in mind that in that game, in the Big 12 title game, that uh, Ohio State was like, one for ten or two for ten on third downs and zero oh for two. It wasn't like on the money downs. Michigan State was shutting them down. I think I think the, the the hidden story in this game is how well Michigan State has played offensively. Going into that Big Ten title game, the last four games they'd averaged 400 yards and 30 points. Uh, Connor Cook was, was the was the second team All Big Ten quarterback, and they're getting Jeremy Langford uh, loose and getting some big-time runs and physical runs out of him like they've done with those great Michigan State tailbacks of the past. So, don't, you know, again, you, you mentioned nine points. I, I think the, the magic number here might be something like 20, 21, and I think Michigan State gets there and Stanford doesn't. Well, this is a driven Michigan State team that wants to finish the job with the bang, and that means winning the Rose Bowl. All season long, the Spartans have played with a chip on their shoulders, feeling that not only they, but also the Big Ten have been behind the eight ball. It has served them well in winning every Big Ten game by double digits after a tough 7-6 and six mark last year that saw the Spartans lose five games by a combined 13 points. Feldman and Dennis Dodd 
give their predictions on this ballgame. I'm taking Michigan State. I took Stanford. I just thought Stanford, I'm less confident. I know Connor Cook has played better, and I know Langford has run the ball well. I don't know. Maybe this is just a function of me living on the West Coast that I have a little more confidence in the Stanford offense than I do in Michigan State. In Michigan State, and I also think the Pac-12 is a better league, and I think that's why it was a toss-up for me. I thought both sides are great on defense, and they run it pretty well. I went with the team that I thought played in the better league. Again, the Big Ten gets absolutely no respect. You've got Bruce Feldman from the West Coast feeling that the Pac-12 may be the better league. They may be, but in this game. I'm not so sure. Since this is the first time in the Rose Bowl since 1987, it's obvious none of the current Michigan State Spartan players have been in a BCS game like this. However, their coach, Mark D'Antonio, has been with the Buckeyes. So D'Antonio knows his Spartans have to be ready for the lights of this big ball game. Exciting time for us. You know, look at Stanford right now and their football team that's been in four straight, I think, four straight BCS games. So they've they've been to that mountain a little bit. They've been there. This is new for us. And I think that we the most important thing that we have to do as we move move to uh, L.A. here, uh, you know, a week, week plus from now is uh, to handle success. And that will be our, our mindset as we move forward and uh, need to be ready to play and play with a lot of energy and those type of things. So it will be another tremendous challenge for us, but another great opportunity. This has to become our standard. This is the first time we've been to a BCS game, but um, there's, you know, we've climbed the ladder. There's no question we've climbed the ladder and we've scratched to get there. And that's what makes this a little bit of a, of a unique story, I think. This Stanford program is accustomed to the big stage, and they will not be starstruck or phased by the grandness of the event of the Rose Bowl. After all, they've played Notre Dame this year, they've played Oregon this year, and they lost a key game at USC. For the Cardinal, this is more of a business trip than a joyride that will end in a 26-year-old Rose Bowl drought, which is the case for Michigan State. So that being said, Michigan State comes from a better conference than people think they play in. The Big Ten, I've been saying all year, plays better football than anyone gives them credit for. Meanwhile, Stanford, I think they're a good ball club. I think they're an excellent ball club, but do I think they're a great ball club? No. But I do agree that the fact that when you put these two teams in a mirror and when they look back at themselves, they see the other team across the line of scrimmage. Stanford is Michigan State. Michigan State is Stanford. They are not going to do a whole heck of a lot in this ballgame that is going to confuse or surprise the other team. This game might come down to coaching, and if it does, D'Antonio is the type of coach that loves to play conservative football. Meanwhile, on the other side of the field, you've got David Shaw. He takes more chances, but he's a conservative coach also. How do I see this game going? I think Michigan State's going to pull it out. I think Michigan State is playing some of the best football in college right now. I've got Michigan State winning this football game by a final score of Michigan State 21, Stanford 14 in the 100th edition of the Rose Bowl game in Pasadena.
Now we are just traveling all over the country. We're leaving Pasadena and the Rose Bowl, where we'll be coming back in just a few minutes, and heading to South Beach, to Miami, Florida, where the Ohio State Buckeyes and Clemson will be matching up in the Orange Bowl. And you could say that it probably took some time for Ohio State to get over the disappointment of not playing for the BCS title, but the Buckeyes now insist that they are focused on one mission and one mission only, and that is to win this Orange Bowl game against Clemson. The reality of facing Taj Boyd and Clemson's high-powered offense with a vulnerable defense has grabbed the team's attention. So what is shaping up to be one of the season's more entertaining bowls and two of the nation's most prolific offenses will be on display when 7th-ranked Ohio State and number 12 Clemson square off in Miami on January 3rd. Playing for the national title was the goal from the start for Ohio State. They come into this game 12-1. and They were the number two team in the AP preseason poll after going 12-0 in 2012, though the team was barred from postseason due to NCAA infractions. I felt coming into this season that it would be Ohio State and Alabama facing off for the national championship. And then when that dream faded, I thought the best bowl game that the BCS matchmakers could have produced was an Ohio State-Alabama sugar or orange bowl game where you would have the number one and two preseason clubs taking on each other, the best of the SEC against the best of the Big Ten. But they decided against that. So what do we have now? Ohio State against Clemson. Ohio State led by dual threat quarterback Braxton Miller. The Buckeyes went virtually unchallenged through the regular season and entered the Big Ten Championship game second in the BCS standings. A berth in the national title game was there for the taking, but they lost 34-24 to Michigan State on December 7th, and that dashed all dreams of a national championship. So, are the Buckeyes indeed over the sting of losing to Michigan State? Bruce Feldman of CBS Sports thinks the Buckeyes will be ready to go. I think they will. I think Urban Meyer will have them focused. The run game, I think, is real, real physical. We know what Carlos Hyde can do. Braxton Miller, dual threat guy. I think the challenge for them is going to be, can they handle the passing game that they're going to see from Clemson? It's not like they were seeing great, uh, great quarterbacks this year. I just don't think Ohio State saw a lot of that. They saw some good running backs. They just didn't see anybody like Taj Boyd, and I think that's going to be the focus. Especially, you remember, uh, Bradley Roby, for all the hype around him as an NFL draft pick, Jared Aberdares had like 500 receiving yards on him. You know, other, other receivers actually did quite a bit of damage on the Ohio State secondary. A lot of teams did a lot of damage on the Ohio State secondary. Clemson is 10-2 and entering this game and also had national title aspirations after opening the season with six consecutive wins. The Tigers were ranked number three, heading into a home matchup with Florida State on October 19th, although I thought number three was way too high for them in the conference that they play in the ACC. But they were whipped 51-14 to and knocked out of the BCS conversation. While Clemson struggled against the Seminoles, and in a 31-17 loss to rival South Carolina in the regular season finale, its offense has otherwise been sensational. The Tigers, get these numbers, average 45 points a game, 535 yards in their wins. 
and they're led by Boyd at quarterback and receiver Sammy Watkins. Boyd passed for just under 3,500 yards and 29 touchdowns this year, and he rushed for another nine TDs. The seniors' 102 career touchdown passes are tied for 15th in major college history. Watkins led the ACC with 1,237 yards on 85 catches. He had 10 touchdowns and was named a second-team All-American. Martavius Bryant had 800 yards and five scores on 89 receptions, I'm sorry, 39 receptions for an average of 20 and a half yards per catch, one of the nation's highest marks. Now, as teams have tried to game plan to stop Boyd and this passing attack, holes have opened up for running back Roderick McDowell. The senior rushed for 510 yards and five touchdowns and had another two receiving in the final five regular season games. So that could spell trouble for the Buckeyes, given their recent problems against the pass. Ohio State allowed its last four opponents to complete 64% of its passes for an average of 341 yards and an 11 total touchdown performance. The Spartans' Connor Cook, who came in averaging 177 yards per game, threw for a career-best 304 yards and three scores. CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd just takes a look at this Ohio State-Clemson matchup, and he doesn't think Ohio State has faced a quarterback the quality of Taj Boyd this season. I don't think Ohio State, as Bruce said, has faced a quarterback like Taj Boyd. I'm sitting here wondering who the best quarterback is in this game, and Braxton Miller has been a two-time, one-time player of the year in the Big Ten and two-time uh, number one first-team quarterback in that league. I think Taj Boyd is a better quarterback in this game, if only because of his arm and, and limited running ability. Do you realize how many uh, weapons they have? You know, Sammy Watkins, him, uh, the guys they have uh, in the backfield. I, I think I think Clemson is going to be supremely motivated to win this game, and I think Ohio State is really disappointed after winning 24 games in a row and expecting to play for that national championship, and then have to having to go to the Orange Bowl. I think Clemson is playing free and easy, and they win this game because I, I think they they've got one of the best offenses Ohio State's seen all year. Well, that may be the case, but there has been a major change to the Buckeyes coaching staff since that Michigan State game. Everett Winters, the co-defensive coordinator and secondary coach for the Buckeyes, has been hired away to take over the head coaching position at James Madison. And after that happened, head coach Urban Meyer said personnel changes on defense would be possible with freshman Tyvis Powell and Von Bell seeing more playing time in the secondary. That obviously to try to cure the ills that that secondary has shown over the past four or five games. Now, while Clemson's offense presents significant challenges, Ohio State has also piled up the points this season. The Buckeyes ranked fourth in the FBS in scoring at 46 points per game and seventh in total offense, averaging 518.5 yards per contest. Most of the damage comes on the ground with Miller and running back Carlos Hyde powering an offense that averaged 318 rushing yards per game, the nation's third best mark. Miller, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, averaged 156 rushing yards per game, 9.4 yards per carry, and ran for eight touchdowns over his last four contests. He also led the Big Ten with 22 passing touchdowns while throwing for 1,860 yards. Braxton Miller, who may forego his senior season in the NFL, is hoping to redeem himself on another big stage after going 8 of 21 
for 101 yards and a score in the Big Ten Championship game. He has completed less than 50% of his passes in three of the last four contests. Hyde, a third-team All-American, was second in the Big Ten with 14 rushing touchdowns, despite missing the first three games due to a suspension. In the last six contests, he has rushed for 965 yards, with an average of eight yards per carry. The Tigers have had trouble this year stopping the run, allowing an average of 170 yards per contest in their last four games. But they have been solid against the pass, yielding an average of 132 yards per contest and two total passing touchdowns over the same span. Defensive end Vic Beasley was among the nation's leaders with 12 sacks, and Muhort, a third-team All-American, draws the difficult assignment of matching up against him. So what does this all mean? Fox Sports' Petros Papadakis looks into that. Well, if anybody can prepare a team past that kind of disappointment, it's Urban Meyer. I mean, let's be honest. He might not be the happiest guy in the world, but Urban Meyer can really coach. Now, the Orange Bowl is tricky. I've been down there with a couple teams, and there's a lot of activity. Guys are excited to be in Miami. They do go out on South Beach. So he can focus his team up. Ohio State used to playing in the BCS in their history and in the history of the BCS. I think they'll be ready to go, but a lot of disappointment losing that game to Michigan State. They're still trying to figure it out in Ohio. Clemson's been great in the ACC. The game they were supposed to win this year to really put them over the top and to put them in the upper echelon where they think they belong with these great SEC programs like Alabama and Florida. They lost. They lost that game to Florida State at home, and they gave up 50-plus points. So I don't worry too much about Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. This will be the last game for Taj Boyd, saying goodbye to him. He's been a lot to that program. But remember, this is the same Clemson team that went to a BCS game and got absolutely blown away by Dana Holgerson's West Virginia team. I think that Ohio State is going to beat Clemson badly. Well, a lot of people don't feel the same way that Petros Papadakis of Fox Sports does. Do you remember the last time that Ohio State met Clemson? This is one of the dark games in Ohio State football history. They have met once before, only once, with Clemson winning the ball game 17-15 in the 1978 Gator Bowl. That game is most remembered for Ohio State coach Woody Hayes punching Clemson's Charlie Bauman after he intercepted a late pass, and Hayes was fired the very next day. And when this game is televised, I'm going to put the over-under at three that they will show Hayes taking a swing at Bauman in the ballgame. The Buckeyes, though, the Orange Bowl has been very good to them. They won their only previous appearance in the Orange Bowl, that being in 1977 when they beat Colorado. Clemson is making its fifth trip to the Orange Bowl, but it doesn't have fond memories of its last one. Two years ago, after winning the ACC title, the Tigers were embarrassed 70-33 to by West Virginia. My pick, to me, this is a no-brainer. Uh, I, I think Ohio State is going to run away with this game. I think Clemson has got a good offensive attack. But there is no way they are going to stop the running attack of Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde. And those that think that Taj Boyd has a better arm than Braxton Miller have not seen Braxton Miller play this year. Do I think Braxton Miller is more of an NFL-capable quarterback than Taj Boyd? Absolutely not. Not at this point in their careers. 
Taj Boyd will not be a starter next year in the NFL unless it's a dire situation. Braxton Miller should return to Ohio State and play out his four years under Urban Meyer. I think Ohio State wins this game going away 47-21, to and the questions will continue to abound. Who has the best conference in America? It's certainly not the ACC. It's probably not the Big Ten, but let's look at it this way. Ohio State comes into this game loose. Clemson has more to gain by beating Ohio State than Ohio State has of beating Clemson. Again, my pick in this contest, I've got Ohio State 47, Clemson 21 in the 2014 Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida. of the college football season, and that is the BCS title game. And you can say goodbye to the BCS championship game after this one. Thank heavens. This year marks the last one of its kind before college football switches to the four-team playoff system next year. And in a way, it's quite fitting that the BCS is laid to rest at the Rose Bowl, home of the oldest bowl in college football history. This will be... January 6th, one week from Monday night on ESPN. There are, of course, no conference affiliations for this one. The top two teams in the BCS standings will play, although the SEC has won seven consecutive titles and nine overall. The other conferences have six between them all. This year, those two teams will be Auburn, 12-1, and representing the SEC, and Florida State, 13-0, and representing the ACC. Now, Florida State's last bowl game was in the Orange Bowl a year ago against Northern Illinois out of the Mid-American Conference, and Florida State won that game 31-10. to Their last year without going to a bowl game, 1981. Their all-time bowl record, 25 wins, 14 losses, and two ties. And Jimbo Fisher is head coach of the Seminoles. His bowl record is 3-0. and the Tigers snuck into the game at the last hours thanks to Ohio State's Big Ten championship loss to Michigan State and, of course, their own win over Missouri in the SEC title game, and they'll look to continue their conference's dominating streak. Their last bowl game was the 2011 Chick-fil-A Bowl against Virginia in which they won 43-24. to Their all-time bowl record is 22 wins, 13 losses, and two ties. And Gus Malzahn, the head coach at Auburn, He's never been to a ball game. This will be his first, and it just happens to be the championship game. Malzahn orchestrated one of the greatest turnarounds in college football history this season, taking an Auburn team that went 3-9 and last year with an 0-8 record in SEC play and winning the SEC championship on his first year on the watch. Close early season wins against Washington State and Mississippi State kept expectations to a minimum at the beginning of the year, and a two-score loss to LSU only fed into that thought. Then the Tigers first got on the national radar with an eight-point win over then-number-24 Ole Miss 
and cemented their place as an SEC contender two weeks later with a road win over Texas A&M. After three easy wins over unranked opponents, the Tigers ended the season with wins over number 25 Georgia, which Georgia should have never been ranked 25th in that game, and number one Alabama in two of the wildest endings you'll ever see before defeating number five Missouri in the SEC championship game. Auburn's run-first attack is led by quarterback Nick Marshall, who scored more than 20 total touchdowns this season. Workhorse back Trey Mason had over 300 rushing yards against Missouri with four touchdowns, and we'll see a lot of looks out of the backfield. AL.com's Randy Kennedy and Mike Herndon preview what might happen in this contest when Auburn has the ball. Well, I wouldn't think... 545 yards is on the ground is in the offing, but I think if you look at this Florida State defense, they're very highly ranked, have given up not many yards per game, but I think if you look at their schedule, a little bit of it's misleading. They haven't played a lot of offenses that run the football well, certainly not as well as Auburn. And if you look down their schedule, the one team that may even be close to being comfortable Auburn running the ball is Boston College, who ran for about 200 yards behind about a buck 50 from Andre Williams. So they can be run on. No question. Timmy Jerns, again, is a great defensive lineman. They're really athletic when you look at Florida State on defense. Well, they've got, you know, sort of like Alabama, they've got a ton of highly ranked recruiting classes coming in there. Timmy Jerns was a high four or five-star big-time recruit coming in. A lot of the guys on that defense will be. But that was a young defense this year. They lost a lot of players to the NFL. So, once again, very highly ranked. They've done well against some high-powered offenses, but most of those were passing offenses. Any reason to think that Gus Malzahn, Rhett Lashley, will decide they need to throw the ball more? They certainly hadn't had to in the last couple of big wins. Yeah, I think it all depends on how the game goes. Uh, obviously, if they get behind, they're going to need to. But as long as the running game's working, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And that's been the case lately. Uh, I think they'll continue to use the read option and use the running game to set up the pass and try to take some shots when they, get, when they catch the safeties creeping up. Certainly worked a couple of times against Alabama. I think you'll see that again against Florida State, but I think they're going to ride that run game as far as it'll take it. If Malzahn goes to the passing game in this contest, he's the stupidest coach in America. Although the Seminoles have been short on quality opponents this year, they have demolished anything and everything in their path, winning every game by at least two scores on their way to an undefeated regular season. For that, they earned the right to play for the BCS championship. Their statistics are jaw-dropping as well. They rank second in the country in the regular season scoring offense with 54 points a game, while allowing only 11 a game. Perhaps more simply put, the Seminoles regularly outscored teams by imagine a margin of 43 points per game. Compare that to a mind-boggling figure with Arizona State's offense, with, which ranks eighth in the country at an average 43 points per Per game. On defense, Florida State lost six players to the NFL draft last year, but remained dominant there as well with LaMarcus Joyner, 60 tackles, five sacks, and three fumbles forced, helping lead the way. Also, they've got the Heisman Trophy winner, Jameis Winston. This Florida State is, is, team is talented all over. Devonta Freeman, James Wilder Jr., and Carlos Williams all ran for over 500 yards this year, and they have three receivers with 800 yards apiece as well. CBS Sports' Adam Azer, Bruce Feldman, and Dennis Dodd look at this matchup 
and how Florida State can stop the vaunted Auburn running game. Florida State has won every game it's played by double digits this year. Only one game decided by less than 27 points. An unbelievable year for the ACC champs. And Auburn, if they're going to pull off the upset, Bruce, it's going to have to be with the running game, you'd think, right? And Trey Mason. How does Florida State's defense you know, match up with the number one rushing attack in the league? I think Florida State's defense matches up well with, with anybody. But this is going to be a challenge for them because of the tempo and the misdirection that I think Auburn is so good at. You know, they come at you with so many different looks, so much misdirection stuff, and sometimes the, the best misdirection they have is things that end up coming right at you because you're already on your heels. Trey Mason has been running wild. You know, Nick Marshall is not the most accurate passer, but he's got a strong arm. He has gotten a lot better over the course of the season. They're explosive, and I think once you they get into a rhythm, they're a big problem. The challenge for... for for FSU is to stay disciplined, not get caught up in all that misdirection. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Bruce everything he said. Uh, what, what hasn't been figured out by anybody so far is how Auburn is running the ball. Uh, you know, the run splits by the offensive linemen, how they're doing it. It's not the volume, 337 yards per game. They've got a secret that, that no one's been able to crack. And, and Jimbo Fisher over these five, six weeks, is going to have to do that. Bruce mentioned the tempo. That's, they're going to have to deal with that. They snap the ball when they can, almost every 15 seconds. Um, and Nick Marshall has turned into, to me, one of the best triple option quarterbacks I've seen. I was talking to a, a conference official who was at the SEC title game and saw the game from the end zone, and he couldn't tell who had the ball after every snap. And if he can't tell, how can the defense tell? We know Missouri couldn't tell, so they're, they're going to have to fix that. Can Auburn stop Jameis Winston? Uh, no one has yet. Right. Uh, the arm, the uh, the vision, when you get to him, it's hard to bring him down. It's the best set of receivers, I think, in college football as a group, those four, those two deep, uh, it's going to be really hard. This figures to be a, sh uh, a, sh a shootout like most of Auburn's games have been this season. But I think Jameis Winston, because of that, a better thrower than Nick Marshall would have the upper hand. And, Bruce, what do you think? You know, I agree with Dennis. I mean, I think that's where the difference is. Auburn does have some really good personnel on the D-line. Their, their, their ends are really good. They're big and physical. I just think that those receivers are such a matchup problem. You look at what Doyle Green Beckham did against Auburn. I mean, he, he ate them up, and now you're going to see a guy in Kelvin Benjamin who is close to those dimensions. But there's other guys. Rashad Green is a weapon that Missouri does not have. And I, I just think that they are much better – than Missouri is at what they do. Now, they're not going to try to, you know, beat you in a racehorse way, you know, tempo-wise, but I just think that they're, they're better also on the offensive line, too, than Missouri is. Quick predictions, guys. Uh, Florida State by double digits. I just think they're the best team in the country. They'll wear uh, Auburn down. That sounds silly given their tempo of offense, but I think Florida State's defense is underrated in this. I got Florida State winning, but it's closer to me than the spread. I have them winning 35-31. I think Auburn is that good, and I think they're that confident, and they're going to get rolling. But ultimately, I just don't see Auburn's defense slowing down Jameis Winston enough. Well, they're going to have to do it in the red zone because Auburn's seventh best in the nation in opponent touchdown percentage in the red zone. Unfortunately, Florida State, the best red zone offense in the country, and they are fourth best in red zone touchdown percentage. But they have to get to the red zone in order to do that. Florida State has a weakness on defense. I saw it in the Miami game, and a lot of people have not mentioned it. And it plays right into the strength of the Auburn offense. 
If you try to run around the Seminoles, you try to go around end, run some sweeps, they're just too speedy, and they can pursue from sideline to sideline better than almost any other team in the country. But if you run straight at them, up the middle, so to speak, between the tackles, you neutralize their speed, and you can overpower them. I see Auburn rushing for over 300 yards in this game, keeping the Florida State offense and Jameis Winston off the field and winning this game. And my pick in the national championship game, the SEC wins it for the eighth straight year. Auburn 35, Florida State 17. And that's going to do it for tonight's show. Boy, we've had a great one tonight. We've looked at all the major BCS bowl games here this evening, the Cotton Fiesta, Sugar, Rose, Orange, and the BCS championship game. I predicted my winners, and now let's see if all of this comes true. We will not be having an Ultimate Sports Talk show next week. We will be taking the day off to watch the bowl games on the 2nd of January. I hope you'll understand that, but we will be back on the 9th of January with our next Ultimate Sports Talk show. And we'll have some brand new things for you at that time. Hope you will join us then, January 9th, 7 o'clock, here with the Ultimate Sports Talk Show at UltimateSportsTalk.com. As always, that tells us that it's time to get out of here. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I want you to have a Happy New Year. Be sure to be safe out there next week. I'm Dave Mitchell. My thanks to Greg Mitchell, our producer. Also, our thanks most of all to you for listening. Until January 9th at 7 o'clock with our next show. Have a good night, a good week, and a good new year, everyone. Good night. Good night.